When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral, simpler communications. New way to play fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. And welcome back to MD Nation. And thank you for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe so you can catch all of our content. You can also check us out live on bellyup.tv. If you missed the show, don't worry. Download the Foxy Network app, and you'll be able to download us on demand on your favorite TV device, such as Roku, LG, Samsung, and newly on Amazon Fire TV. Or you just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go and you download us on your favorite podcast app available to you everywhere. Please give us a five-star review. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're back with the primetime recap and the waiver saviors heading into week four 
Don't forget, we got the heroes and zeros in today's show as well. So why wait around? Let's go ahead and just get started on this thing. Quarterback bummers. Okay. So there wasn't any quarterback thumpers from the primetime games at all. And really no surprise after watching the Sunday night game, how much of a dud that was. And then the Monday night game rolled around. If you're in one quarterback, 12-man leagues, nobody was starting a Cooper Rush. Nobody was starting a Daniel Jones anyway. So my bummer of the week was Russell Wilson. And we have to have a whole conversation about Russell Wilson that will continue from tonight on into Wednesday and Thursday leading up into week four. Because now we have to have a serious conversation about can you be a QB 12? Or are you just a streaming option depending upon matchups, which is not what anybody drafted you to be. And if that's going to be the case, we got to make some tough calls here, especially when we're talking about like the waiver wire report like we are tonight. Look, I don't know what's going on with Russell Wilson. You can't blame the thumb injury because he's still not hurt from that. Can't blame the weapons. Even with Judy banged up, you still have Cortland Sutton. You still have a good running game. You still have guys to go to. Nathaniel Hackett does deserve some of the blame here. There's no doubt about it. The play calling has been horrific, to say the least. But Russell Wilson himself, look, this was a tough match on paper, and I wasn't super happy or excited to have to play Russell Wilson if you were in that situation to begin with against this 49ers defense. But he just looks awful. He looks like a terrible quarterback. Maybe he gets turned around, but I think something in the play calling is going to have to do that. Something's got to design to get him back in a rhythm. And I'll tell you what else. So much was being a Russell Wilson, let him cook, up-tempo offense. This is one of the slowest-paced teams in the league. That has to be the key to me. And I don't know if that happens with Nathaniel Hackett. Why? Well, Nathaniel Hackett, he's used to running a slow-paced team with LaFleur in Green Bay. I don't know if he suddenly picks up the pace out of nowhere. But going up-tempo would definitely help this team out help Russell Wilson get into rhythm. He has to. Now, Wilson's been known this, you know, in the past. He'll either start off the season slow, go on a crazy hot streak towards the end. Of course, he has the weapons to do it. But when does that happen? Is he still the same guy? Questions we now have to ask ourselves. What a bummer he is. And just not just this week, but now moving forward, we got to question pretty much everything. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! We did have some awesome running back thumpers this week for the primetime games, all coming in the Monday night matchup, by the way. It's not like Jeff Wilson was bad and Javante Williams wasn't great. Everybody was like, okay, in the Sunday night game as far as our running backs are concerned. But Monday night, the guys you leaned on really came through for you in a big way. My number three thumper of the week in the primetime matchup was Ezekiel Elliott. Walked away with his best game of the season, 73 yards and a touchdown. Looks pretty spry. That was a big thing. From the eye test, from a physicality standpoint, he looks pretty spry. And that offensive line of Dallas was a hell of a lot better with Jason Peters in there at the guard position. That's where they're playing him. They didn't bring him in to play tackle. They brought him in to play left guard. Tyler Smith still manning down that tackle spot until Tyrion Smith comes back. Or Tyron Smith, I'm sorry. Excuse me. But that Cowboys offensive line was able to make some holes there against the Giants. If that's something that can continue moving forward with Jason Peters playing in the interior, well, look out. Dallas might get back on track without even Dak Prescott coming back into the fold. 
but it'll be good news because if, if the offensive line get going, then the running game get going. And we know that Dak is very good when he has play action. He has a running game coming for him as well. So we'll see exactly when he's going to be able to come back. But in the meantime, Cooper Rush, the offensive line, the backfield holding down the fort. And of course, Tony Pollard, who looked great on his 13 carries. He gets over 105 yards. He looked explosive, diving through holes. Neither one of these running backs really that involved in the passing game. And we're going to talk about them a little bit more when we get to the game notes of the primetime uh, matchups. But it was nice to see that you could play both of them and still get great production, which is what you got out of these guys. And of course, our number one thumper of the week in the primetime games was Saquon Barkley. Just always finding a way to get it done right now. Gets 81 yards on the ground, gets a touchdown, but also tacks on the four catches for 45 yards. So he gets you over 100 total yards from scrimmage. He gets you some receptions. He gets you that touchdown. There's nothing else going on for that Giants offense, but Saquon Barkley in a year in which running backs are beyond putrid right now is giving you top two performances week in, week out. His floor performance was still a very, very solid one last week in week two. Barkley doing everything he can to make the Giants come to life. And for your fantasy teams, that is going incredibly well. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! So again, like I said, there weren't any running back bummers from the games. We did have a few wide receiver thumpers. My number two thumper of the week was Cortland Sutton. I was wanting him to have a good game. Wasn't sure exactly how to work out, how healthy Jerry Judy would be, who we're going to talk about in a second. But 10 targets, 8 receptions, 97 yards. And it's really a lot more impressive when you consider the tough matchup combined with how bad Russell Wilson was. And in spite of Russell Wilson being absolutely terrible, Cortland Sutton was able to still come through with a really strong performance. It has to make you feel good about him moving forward with where you drafted him to continue to be that high-end wide receiver two with low-end wide receiver one upside. A number one thumper of the week, C.D. Lamb. 12 targets, 8 receptions, 87 yards, a touchdown. We talked about it. Cooper Rush, remember, remember when Dak Prescott went down and none of us were sure what we can expect out of a C.D. Lamb. Well, now he had a seven-catch, 75 performance in week two, and now he gets the 87 yards on eight catches on 12 targets, and he gets a touchdown. C.D. Lamb now, three games in a row, has a double-digit targets. This is what we drafted him for. This is why I made him the number six wide receiver coming into the season. I was banking on C.D. Lamb being a target monster this season. And in spite of the fact that Dak hasn't been around the last couple of weeks, that has remained true. His target share is one of the most consistent now in the league, 11, 11, and now 12. You can't ask for much more than that. And we'll talk about him a little bit more. He could have had a bigger day here, but C.D. Lamb coming through for you in the clutch. And now you feel like you don't have to worry about, you know, when, when does Dak come back? Cooper Rush has been able to get him the ball and has looked to get him the ball consistently at that. Wide receiver bummers. So Jerry Judy is our wide receiver bummer of the week. It was a tough spot. I had Judy as a wide receiver three coming into the week because it's hard with these guys. You don't know if they're going to play. But you're like, okay, if you do play, and you know you'll be leaned on within this offense. You're a very good wide receiver. It's hard to make him anything lower than that. It's hard not to consider him in that position. 
Hopefully you did have other options and you didn't want to take the chance and you pivoted off of him. But if you held on hope and then got rewarded that Judy, in fact, was going to play this game and then played him six targets, two catches, 17 yards. Now, he wasn't 100% yet. That much was clear, but he still played the second most amongst the wide receivers in that game. And when Russell Wilson plays like that in those type of matchups against tough defenses, there's a decent chance only one guy is going to be able to eat. And I do believe that one guy, more times than not, will be Cortland Sutton, whether Judy's healthy or not. So that's kind of the thing you're faced with here with Judy. I still think he's a high-end wide receiver three and could become a wide receiver two, especially if Russell Wilson can get this thing turned around where both him and Sutton can eat to some degree on a weekly basis. But man, oh man, if you did hold out for him, you were not rewarded for your patience at all. Tight end bummers. So there wasn't any tight end thumpers, nor was there any tight ends you were expecting to play. I mean, we knew Dalton Schultz was a long shot for him to even be out there. He doesn't wind up going anyway. And you weren't leaning on the tight ends out of Denver or the tight ends out of the Giants. You were probably excited to get back and play immediately George Kittle. Now, George Kittle plays, you got to play him because he can win you a week. He probably has the most upside of any tight end in any given week because of what he can do if he actually gets featured with the ball. His first game back, though, I have to say, for his first game back, we weren't expecting a ton. Five targets, four catches, 28 yards. In a, in a game in which the 49ers' offense was completely struggling to not really do a good enough job of getting Kittle, who, from the eye test, looked healthy enough to me. Maybe he's not 100%, but he looked healthy enough to me. To not do a better job getting him involved to help get the offense going is a grave mistake. But it's a mistake we've seen Shanahan make over the past few seasons. And I'm going to offer a word of caution. This is something I'm going to be bringing up during Look Ahead Wednesday, during Clairvoyant Thursday. Maybe even we'll bring it up during the DFS Cashing Friday show as well. All at 10 p.m. Eastern, by the way, live on our YouTube channel. The thing I'm going to be bringing up is that with Trent Williams getting the high ankle sprain and going to be out for the next four to six weeks, George Kittle may be asked to block a hell of a lot, and it may kill some of his fantasy value as a result. I would be a bit concerned about that happening. You have to play George Kittle if you got him. You don't really have a choice. Not many tight ends have his ability. You draft him to be your tight end one. You finally got him back. But don't be surprised we have a few dud games coming up because George Kittle's asked to block so much over those next few weeks. We saw it happen last season in games in which Trent Williams did not play. George Kittle did nothing fantasy-wise because he was asked to block. So one of the things we have to take into consideration here when we're doing our projections, when we're ranking moving forward, what, what our confidence level is. Again, you're not going to have a better option. But maybe you have to lower your expectations and take other shots in other places in your lineups. That does it for the primetime thumpers and bummers. Let's go ahead and just dive into the notes of the two games. I know, I know, I know. So first up, the Sunday night game, which was a doozy between San Francisco and Denver. We had, I mean, you had it all. You had, you know, the lack of scoring, the pathetic play calling. You had Jimmy Garoppolo stepping out of the end zone at the end of the game to give the game away. Just all kinds of crazy things. How Denver wins this game, I have absolutely no idea. But it wasn't like the 49ers really did anything to truly deserve the game either. 
They had a nice opening drive in the first quarter, and then that was it. That was all she wrote for the offense pretty much after that. The good news is, for my notes, we'll stay on the silver side before we get to the bad stuff. Jeff Wilson is an RB2 moving forward. Without Tyron Davis-Price there, signing Marlon Mack off the practice squad, Jordan Mason being a special teams guy, Wilson got all the work. Now, yes, that meant only 12 carries, but what 12 carries for 75 yards. He was efficient. He had a nice little big you know, break, 37-yarder, to kind of like open up the game a little bit for them. That's when they scored on that drive. Didn't get involved in the passing game. That was still Kyle Juszczyk. I'm sorry. Kyle Juszczyk was still involved in the passing game. Didn't have all of the passing down work. He was involved. Three catches, 31 yards on three targets. But what's clear to me is that Jeff Wilson is going to be the bell cow for San Francisco. And what do we talk about all the time? If you can ever lock down who the bell cow of San Francisco is going to be, you have yourself at least an RB2 with probably some upside depending upon the matchup. So Jeff Wilson, definitely the silver line to come out of that where you can just plug and play him in your lineups every single week. I had him as a top 20 guy, and that's what he wound up being. My other notes for them, better days are ahead with this offense in general. Remember, Jimmy Garoppolo, and I probably had too high of expectations for him right off the bat. Jimmy Garoppolo did not practice. It wasn't just that he didn't get the first team reps because Trey Lance was getting him. Did not practice. No one expected him to be in San Francisco, including himself. And as a result, they did not practice. They let him get worked out. They let him get in shape. But they did not practice him at all. There is going to be an element of rust for Jimmy Garoppolo. Things will get better for that team. And even though everything was putrid, Debo and Ayuk were still solid. Ayuk gets the touchdown. Debo still solid overall in his usage. Not the high-end performance you're hoping for, but still solid at the end of the day. And I already talked about my note there with George Kittle, with Trent Williams being out. We might have to be a little bit leery about what that means moving forward. On the Denver side of the ball, Wilson flat out's not a must start. I'm not ready to hit the dump because, again, it is still Russell Wilson. They do have a lot of weapons, and it can't be this bad all season long. It's impossible for it to be this bad all season long in their situation. But until further notice, he's not a must start. Now, having said that, I believe they play Arizona next week. If I, if I, you know, if I'm not mistaken, I'll try to pull that up here quickly. But if that's going to be the case, okay, against Arizona, yes, you you can play Russell Wilson against Arizona. That that much is certain. And I'm still I'm still trying to pull it up here. I know, great great show here live. I I actually had it up in front of me a second ago. So. Maybe next week is his last shot. And no, they, they don't. They play. I'm looking at it here. I know I'm doing a great I'm doing a great job trying to find this. They play Las Vegas. So close enough. Tomato, tomato, basically, when it comes to that. So they play Las Vegas. So will Russell Wilson probably be my top 12 against Las Vegas next week? Yeah, there's a decent shot that that does wind up being the case. So maybe we can play this as a. Look, this is a last straw. If you can't get it done against the Raiders with that matchup and that defense, then maybe we are talking about Russell Wilson is a streaming option who you don't necessarily have to own if there's a better option to drop him for on your waiver wire. Still will never be an automatic drop with this offense, with his name brand, with this team. But maybe if you're only trying to keep one quarterback because you're trying to keep as many bench spots you know, available to you as possible and not clogging it up with two quarterbacks in a one quarterback league, 
well, then we might be talking about Russell Wilson not being on rosters anymore. But he's just not a must start unless it's a matchup thing right now. That's how bad it's gotten with Russell Wilson. And of course, I talked about already, Cortland Sutton is a stud. My third and final note would be Javante Williams. Very much in a 50-50 split with Melvin Gordon. Now, up until this point, he had led the way in the passing attack, which ultimately for me, I was like, all right, fine. I don't care if you split carries with Melvin Gordon as long as it's clear cut that you are the pass catching running back. And while he still had five targets in this game, Melvin Gordon got involved. He had six targets. He had five catches. He had 29 yards. So now are we melting back? Are we falling back? It's to the point where this is going to be a 50-50 split. If it is, that's going to be a problem. Because that means Javante is not going to give back what you draft him to be, which was a low in RB1 with you know top five upside. I still believe in the talent. Melvin Gordon does get nicked up. We'll see how this thing plays out all year. Again, Denver has to do something to address their offense. A simple thing could be leaning on Javante Williams a little bit more. We'll see what happens there. So things could change here, but for now, Williams is an RB2, and because of his usage, you can't expect him to be much more unless he scores. Move it to the Monday night game. Actually wound up being a better game than I was expecting it to when you talk about you know Cooper Rush and Daniel Jones being the quarterbacks heading into that game. It was a little bit more competitive and a little bit more entertaining than I was expecting, which, of course, puts a pleasing to me because I got to watch all these games, even if you don't. But it's on the Dallas side of the ball. Pollard and Zeke are moving closer to that 50-50 split mark, kind of like Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams right now. And if that winds up being true, I think what we're going to quickly see is that Pollard will become an RB2. He will become a top 24 play, I think, every week. Zeke will fall back into that touchdown-dependent kind of RB3 territory where you can maybe flex him out. If he's got a good matchup, especially maybe he can, maybe they can be like an Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon type. It's a good matchup on paper. So if they keep continuing this, this is how I expect it to go. Tony Pollard will increase his value and actually and actually get the opportunity to potentially pass Zeke from a fantasy standpoint. That's what you're hopeful of if you had Tony Pollard. The payoff could be coming based on the usage we saw here tonight. Will it maintain? I'm not ready to say this is what I expect the rest of the season just based on this one game because we've seen the Cowboys revert back to, okay, we're going to give Zeke more of the work here and Tony Pollard is an afterthought. But now for two weeks in a row, whether it be through the air or on the ground, Pollard has had almost as many opportunities as Ezekiel Elliott. If that remains true, Pollard will be a top 24 guy, especially with the status of the running backs right now before long on a weekly basis. That's the good news. The other good news for Dallas was C.D. Lamb. Talked about him a little bit. He was one of our thumpers. He should have had a much bigger game. He dropped a wide-open bomb that probably would have been off another 50 yards. He could have had almost 130 to 150 yards and two touchdowns in this game if he just held on to the ball wide open. So he could have been in for a big, big game this week. But again, his target share has been very, very consistent. And that's not something that's going to change when Michael Gallup comes back. That's the good news about Michael Gallup coming back. He just replaces Noah Brown. It doesn't change what the target share for a CD Lamb is going to be. He'll still get his double-digit targets. He'll still be the guy getting moved around all around the field. He'll still be the featured weapon. Gallup just may help him out a little bit more, get some dull teams away from when he comes back because teams will feel like they have to pay attention to Gallup a little bit more on the outside, potentially. 
we wanted to see Gallup get worked in and get some snaps because now week four, he comes back. He'll probably still be on a pitch count then because you still want to see how he reacts before he's a full go. So it kind of gets delayed a week, but it won't affect CeeDee Lamb when he returns. And Schultz being out didn't really affect CeeDee Lamb here. It wasn't like his target share went way up with Gallup gone and Schultz not in the lineup today. He kind of, they just, he has his role and that's what it's going to be, no matter what else is going on around him. As far as the Giants side of the ball, look, we had the Saquon Barkley note, of course. But the other one is Sterling Shepard. At the end of the game, non-contact injury, yanked at his left knee right off the bat. Which is, He wasn't even running a route. It was a play to the other side. He was light jogging, coming down to a walk. And all of a sudden, it's like he got, it looked like he got shot. The way he reacted, the way his his leg jerked like that, it just it looked like he suddenly like something jumped up and bit you, and something snapped. And they say it's the left knee. With Shepard's history, it's probably going to be an ACL just because that's that's the luck he has. We don't know yet. We'll keep you updated on social media at Billy at MDFF Show. But if that's going to be the case, those of you who weathered the storm and held on to Kadarius Tony, which after he got the hamstring injury again in, in, in practice, I was totally out on. You might still get paid off at some point this year if Shepard's now going to be out of the way with Galladay clearly in the doghouse and out the door. Because Galladay did nothing. He had three targets. He had a drop in this game. They barely wanted to play him. It was obvious. Tony's going to have the door open up to him. Now, of course, he's got to get over his hamstring injury in order for that to happen. It also raises the question of when Wandale Robinson's able to return from his knee injury, what it could mean for him. Because remember, the coaching staff, they, this coaching staff wanted Wandale Robinson. They liked Wandale Robinson. And we're playing him ahead of Kadarius Tony in training camp because they were trying to make Kadoni, you know, Tony work his way up. So that also has to come to a question here. In the immediacy, we'll talk about a little bit more during the waiver wire report, but Richie James might become a name of note moving forward right now if none of these guys can get back healthy in time. But the giant receiver situation just maintains to be a complete and utter mess. But that does it for our thumpers and bummers and our notes for the primetime matchups. Here's what I want to do. I want to take a quick break. When I come back on the other side, I'm going to have my heroes and zeros of week four, my right and wrong calls of the week, and then we'll get into the waiver saviors. So everybody, make sure you stay tuned to MD's Fantasy Football Show, and we'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby, and our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt-the-couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. 
True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Oh yeah, welcome back in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Coming to you live with a primetime recap and a waiver savior episode that we do every single Tuesday night here at 10 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel and of course on bellyup.tv. If you ever need to catch the show on demand on your favorite TV device, just download the Foxy Network app on LG, Roku, Samsung, and now newly acquired on Amazon Fire TV. Or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go by downloading us on your favorite podcast app and giving us a five-star review. I'm your host, Dan Mater. We just went over our thumpers and bummers for the primetime matchups, went over our game notes for the primetime matchups, and now... It is time to go over our heroes and zeros from week four. Dan's heroes and zeros. Let's start off with my quarterback zeros of the week. Quarterback zeros. We always start off with the bad news first. My number two wrong call of the week was Kirk Cousins. I had him as a top six play. Thought for sure. He would light up against Detroit. Now, he didn't totally bottom out with the 260 yards and the two touchdowns that he was able to get by the end of the game. But, man, oh, man, was it looking super brutal there for a little while. And for a guy that, I again, I had him as a top six. I had him as a I was a confident QB1. Thought for sure Justin Jefferson would get going. The offense would be clicking. Cousins would have one of his big games because it was – you know, in Minnesota against Detroit on a Sunday afternoon where nobody but Minnesota and Detroit fans are paying attention. That's usually when he goes off. And he didn't have it. He just he had an okay game, but didn't have a great game. And now you got a tough matchup in London next week. Cousins, who I picked to be a top 12 quarterback this year, somebody I had drafting late who I thought could give you that kind of value. He still might, but he hasn't hit that hot streak that we've known Cousins to hit. And Kevin O'Connell clearly hasn't really changed the nature that is Cousins from a fantasy perspective as well. And I think that's more what we're taking out of this than anything else. Our number one zero, or I'm sorry, let's go to our quarterback hero first. A little good news before we get to our my, my worst call in the week. Quarterback heroes. Hello, Ryan Tannehill. I said he was going to score a rushing touchdown this week, and he did just that. I said he was going to be a streaming option for you guys this week, and he was just that. As Tennessee gets back on track against the good old Raiders, leave it to the Raiders defense to get guys to get back on track across the board. Ryan Tannehill made me feel pretty good by getting that call. Somebody nobody else was on, but I was like, hey, you know what? 
Derrick Henry gets going. I expect him to get going in that game in that matchup. Ryan Tannehill has a tendency to score rushing touchdowns in those situations. Quarterback zeros. Yeah, so the number one zero for me on the week was Russell Wilson. I was giving him another shot. I had him as QB 11, so I still had him as a guy you needed to play. And I should I I should have known better. With the way he had been playing up until that point against a good defense in San Francisco, I just should have known that he was not worthy to be inside the top 12. And that's my bad. I should have known better. I got wrapped up in the name. I got wrapped up in the possible return of Jerry Judy. I got wrapped up in the fact that they were going to be home. And I should have just looked at the facts that Russell Wilson right now is just not playing like a good quarterback. And when you're going against a tough defense on top of it, when you're on a cold streak, just not somebody you should have been starting, should have went with somebody else. That is my fault. Quarterback heroes. Ranked Jalen Hurts as the number two quarterback on the week. And guess what? He was just that. Came in one spot behind Lamar Jackson. Has been phenomenal this season. Getting the ball to both A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. Still getting his rushing touchdowns. Throwing for over 300 yards. This keeps up. Not only will he be even a better fantasy option than he was last year, but he will stick with Allen and Lamar Jackson. He'll be in that tier all season long. There's not going to be a drop down from those two and everybody else. It's going to be now those three and then everybody else. So if you drafted Jalen Hurts later on, because you could have gotten him quite a few rounds later than an Allen, than a Lamar Jackson, you got somebody who's going to put up numbers with those type of quarterbacks, and that's huge. So thank you, Jalen Hurts. All right, let's talk about our running backs. What's our running back wrong calls of the week? Running back zeros. Having a little malfunction there with the drops. My apologies. Yeah, so DeAndre Swift. So we found out later on that DeAndre Swift was got hindered by a shoulder sprain. And that sounds like it's actually going to cost him a couple of weeks now, according to the words of Dan Campbell. So now, that, not only did you get a bad performance this past week, but now you have to circle back and you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do, especially if you don't have Jamal Williams available to you on your waiver wire. If DeAndre Swift's going to play, you have to play him. We knew he might not be 100%. So this isn't a call that I feel overly bad about because what else were you supposed to do? But man, oh man, you did not get the performance that you needed to come away with a win in this one. Running back heroes. Derek Henry. I put it out on TikTok. Put it out on YouTube. I put it out on social media. I told everybody everywhere, do not panic on Derrick Henry. Do not sell low on Derrick Henry. And I actually I went the other way. I said, buy low on him if you possibly can. Because I said, after the Raiders game, he would no longer be available. And while he didn't have a crazy, you know, go off Derrick Henry 200-yard, two-touchdown performance, he had a very, very good game. And what it did is it showed you that Tennessee knows that their identity has to be Derrick Henry as their offensive weapon. And what they're willing to do by getting involved in the passing game to make sure he is their offensive weapon to make that engine go. Derrick Henry is a really good running back who physically is fine. So this is a good showing. I called it. Thank you, Derrick Henry.
Running back zeros. Alvin Kamara, you're killing me, man. Flat out. Alvin Kamara is killing me. He gets the 15 carries. Which, okay, fine. 61 yards. Obviously, that's not great. It's not what you want. Is he 100%? No, he didn't look 100% to me. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. But this is the second week that he's been playing that he doesn't get involved in the passing game. A game in which was against the Carolina Panthers. Jameis Winston, who has a broken back, needs to get the ball out of his hands quickly, right? You think, oh, well, that means that should lead to dump downs. And, oh, it's not like you don't have one of the best, most prolific pass-catching running backs in the coming out of your backfield to make that happen for you, right? And yet, he's barely involved. And yet, he barely produces. Look, he gets a little bit of a pass because he's still dealing with a rib injury. And so I'm not hitting the panic button on Alvin Kamara just yet. But if they don't get him start involved in the passing game at the very least, I don't, whatever he does on the ground, fine. He could, he could have a good game against the ground against Minnesota next week. He needs to be involved in the passing game if he's going to be the RB1 that Alvin Kamara is supposed to be. And there's really no excuse for it right now, especially with the state the Saints are in. We'll see if that gets corrected. It needs to. But right now, I have some real concern about Kamara. Not only has he dud you out this week, but now we have to ask questions moving forward for the rest of the season as well. Running back heroes. Core Daryl Patterson, baby. I was the highest ranked on him coming into the season for the draft rankings on Fantasy Pros. I'm an RB24. Nobody had him as an RB2. Only I did. He's RB4 right now in the season. It's two really great games. Talked about it before. I said, look, from week one, look, I don't expect him to get 22 carries. Wouldn't be involved in the passing game is what I wanted. Well, he didn't get involved in the passing game, but he came out with 17 carries and breaks his week one record career high in yardage. What's obvious here is that Arthur Smith comes out with a plan that, you know, you don't want a guy like Patterson getting all of the work. He's going to wear down if that happens. He's not built to do that. So you have a plan that Tyler Algier and Cordell Patterson, they split time. But what winds up happening, and you saw it from week two, and it carried over into week three, Patterson is just so much better. <laughs> and he gives him such a better spark offensively, an offense that needs sparks, than a Tyler Algier does, than a Damian Williams even would have. So I'm tired of hearing about how Damian Williams is going to be the starter. That means nothing to me. It still would have been a 50-50 committee between those two. And we know what Damian Williams is at this point. So it just became clear that as that game wore on and Atlanta's trying to get their first win, that they were like, look, screw it. 
Cordell Patterson's the best guy we have with the ball in his hands. We're just going to let him ride it out. And that's what led him to getting 17 carries and being well ahead of Tala Algier as far as that goes. Where in week two, they were split down the middle 50-50 with 10 carries apiece. This is still not how I want Patterson to maintain his consistent value. I want that to come to the passing game. And why that hasn't happened yet, I'm not really sure. But as long as he's able to do this for you and show you that he's versatile where I can get you good games on the ground, even if I'm not involved in the passing game that particular week, this is why Patterson was an RB2 for me and why I wasn't coming off of him and why I wasn't getting down on him because of his age. The age of Patterson is irrelevant. As long as he has his speed burst, which is clear that he does, he doesn't have the workload of anybody else of a 30, 31-year-old. That's not who he is right now. So I'm good with Patterson for the rest of the season, and it was a great call by me, and I was so happy that that worked out for him. Wide receiver zeros. Someone get on the phone, the Matt Roll and Ben freaking McAdoo, and tell them that, look, even if Baker sucks, DJ Moore still should be getting the ball. Still should be getting more than six targets. Six targets every single week so far this season. That's ridiculous. He is your best receiver by far. You want to make things easier on Baker Mayfield? Start lining up DJ Moore all over the field. Get him in the slot. Give Baker Mayfield his Jarvis Landry. He knew how to get the ball at Jarvis Landry. DJ Moore is more explosive version than Jarvis Landry. Why is this so difficult? Baker's been awful. I mean, awful. And I'm not a guy who had a high opinion of Baker to begin with, but he's even been awful to my standards of my already low standards of him to begin with. So I get it. It's not going to be efficient. But the problem is you're not getting him the ball enough. There's no reason that with that offense in that state, with what they're dealing with, DJ Moore can't get more than six targets. Maybe this gets corrected, but this also brings up the fact of what I was worried about over the summer which is not only that Baker Mayfield is not that good, but more importantly, in my mind, Matt Rule is a bad coach who's going to get fired before the season's over. And Ben McAdoo is not a good offensive coordinator. He had a little spurt with the Giants for about a two-year period. He became the head coach. And ever since then, it's like watching Mike McCarthy call plays out there. It's no different. No creativity, no motion, no nothing. It's on the receivers to get open on isolation routes, and that's what's killing DJ Moore right now. Maybe it gets corrected, but between the quarterback and the coaching staff, there's a real chance that it doesn't. And that's why, look, I'm sorry, DJ Moore, he came in as a wide receiver 24 for me this week, and he shouldn't have. He's a wide receiver three based on matchup until the volume returns. Wide receiver heroes. Marquise Hollywood Brown. I never wavered. I had him ranked as a mid-level wide receiver, too, with upside. He finally comes through this week. The volume had been there for the past couple of weeks anyway, so I wasn't worried about that. It was the key of when does he get back into shape? Because, again, it was a guy that had a hamstring injury, barely played throughout training camp, wasn't really quite in Marquise Brown shape just yet. Well, it looks like he is now. Went bananas in this past week. I told a couple of people they were asking, you know, Hollywood Brown or player X, player Y. So you stick with Hollywood and it paid off in a really big way. And now you should have nothing but confidence in Marquise Brown until DeAndre Hopkins gets back. And then we might have to do a little reshuffling depending upon how that usage is going to look. 
wide receiver zeros. It was a really bad week for Brandon Cooks. In a matchup like that against Chicago, for him to only get two catches, a little over 20 yards, and that be it, it's not what you're looking for. And I had Brandon Cooks coming in as a top 20 wide receiver. I don't think it's my fault. I think the process was there, but that is a rough go for a guy that you're that confident you have is a locked-in must-start. The good news is that seven targets, he was still the lead targeted guy. And the other good news is that we know Brandon Cooks will have better days to come. So we're not worried about this from a long-term perspective. Wide receiver heroes. Christian Kirk had him ranked inside my top 15. And he just comes through. And I'm telling you guys, just from a, he's like, he's like a St. Brown. He's not quite as good as St. Brown. I shouldn't say he's not quite as good. He's not as good as St. Brown. I want to be clear about that. But the way he's getting utilized with how he has to be featured in this high-volume passing offense, he just he has a hell of a floor. He has such a high floor. He is going to be the guy for that team in the passing attack every single week. And because they have him lying up all over the field and Doug Peterson is scheming him to get matchups and featuring him as such, he's a high-end wide receiver too the rest of the season. Christian Kirk unbelievable. I had him up there and he came through for me in a big way there too. Tight end zeros. So Gerald Everett, I had finally caves and made Everett a top streaming option at the tight end position. Thought there was a decent chance Keenan Allen would play. I felt pretty good about Herbert's chances of playing and that wound up both to be true. So I thought in that scenario, okay, Joe Everett has been a good streaming play. They're playing Jacksonville. And of course, this is the game where he completely duds out, right? Still continues to split snap, can- snap counts with the other tight ends. And again, Donald Parham will continue to get more healthy and play more. And I think that will start to cut into Joe Everett more. So his days as a streaming option are very, very numbered, if not overall ready. Tight end heroes. I stuck with Kyle Pitts as a top eight tight end, and he comes through finally with more than 19 yards for a change. Still couldn't get in the end zone, which that has to get rectified at some point. But at least now we saw, okay, yes, if it's not Drake London, it is Kyle Pitts. They can get him the ball. It is possible. And this is why you continue to play him as a tight end one every single week, because this is what he should be doing. Frankly, what he did against Seattle is what his floor should be. But right now, we'll take the baby steps in a positive direction. Tight end zeros. So I got bullish with Logan Thomas. I had him as a top 12 tight end play in week two, and he came through with the touchdown. And I had a feeling with the matchups that the commander's offense would get held in check. They match up well with the wide receivers. Darius Slay can match up. Brad Berry can match up. Charlie Gardner can match up in the middle. And I thought the one guy who might have a chance to take advantage, especially in the red zone, would be Logan Thomas. So I ranked him as a top 10 tight end, and that just didn't pan out. He didn't score. Ultimately, I think Logan Thomas is still a fine top 12 play most weeks the rest of the way. But that was a bad call by me there to assume that I knew it was a tough match against the Eagles defense because it's not the same defense it has been against the tight end position. But looking for the mismatches across the board, 
didn't really wind up happening for me there. That does it for our tight end. Our, no, our, that does it for our heroes and zeros. My right, my top two right and wrong calls for each position of the week. We'll always try to do better. But I know you guys always enjoy that. It's the way I hold myself accountable. And you know what? I do have fun doing it, even when I have to rub my own face in some of the bad calls that I may have had over the week. But now it is time for the waiver saviors. Waiver saviors. All right. So look, we got to get better for week four, right? You might be 0-3. You might be 1-2. 2-1, and 3-0. Great. Awesome. There's a little. I have a couple guys in here for you guys because you might be in a position to make luxury pickups, as I like to call them. But if you're 1-2, and two, you're 0-3, it's okay. We don't hit the panic button, especially now there's an extra regular season game until you're 0-5. If you're 0-5, then we have to start talking about blowing it up. And as always, I'm available to you on social media, at BillyUpMDFFShow. I'll help you guys out. We will get you moving in the right direction one way or another. No doubt about it. But here's what we got for the waiver savers today, starting at the quarterback position. So I'm not big on Jameis Winston season long, but they are playing Minnesota. Even a bad performance last week, what happened? Oh, he still goes over 350 yards. He still picks up a touchdown. In spite of the three interceptions, he was still a mid-level QB too. The Minnesota defense has been one of the worst for so far throughout the month of September, a game in which it could be a sneaky shootout over there in London. So Jameis Winston is a streaming option at only 28% owned right now heading into this week. Mariota still on my list. Now, he's big increase for him. He was that 9%. He went up to 25%. So that's a good jump. I would say keep jumping. Do I love him this week against Cleveland? No, I don't love him this week against Cleveland. But this is more of a, if you've been streaming quarterbacks and you want a guy with a high floor, who most weeks can be a strong streaming option for you, depending upon what you need. Marcus Mariota at 25% owned is somebody who can be that for the season long. So this isn't a pickup for this week. This is more of a pickup for the year, depending upon what your situation is. And I, if I have a Mariota I want, and I'm on a one-quarterback league, I want to have somebody I can rotate in and out with him on a weekly basis. So keep that in mind. Tannehill, back on my list again this week as a sleeper option. 15% owned. We saw what happened. Derrick Henry gets going. The play action's available. The RPO at the goal line's available because everyone sells out to stop Derrick Henry. Tannehill, then he sneaks it in. He legs it in. He gets his opportunities to score. What has made Tannehill fantasy goal in the past, we got to see it on full display this past week. It's a good chance you get to see it on full display again this week. So keep that in mind for Ryan Tannehill. And then this one is a strict... Super flex or two quarterback league stash play. And that's Kenny Pickett. He's 4% owned. I'm not picking him up or even entertaining the idea if this is a one QB redraft league. So don't hear what I'm not saying. What I'm saying is that if you're in a super flex league right now or a two quarterback league and Kenny Pickett, who's only 4% owned on average right now is available, pick him up. I don't know how good he'll be his rookie year. I still have my doubts about his overall abilities. But I do feel more and more confident he has to be better than Mitchell Trubisky because it can't get much worse. And he will start, I think, sooner rather than later. I said on social media, I put up the post, I said, look, my over-under is week six as it stands right now. 
I think there's a decent chance he will be the starter sooner rather than later, regardless of how patient Mike Tomlin wants to be. Let's move on to our running backs. So we got some good news. My top guys were Cleo Herbert and Alexander Madison. They both kind of fall into the same category here now because we have Dalvin Cook. He's going to harness up, which gives we know no gives him his superpowers, and he's going to play on the dislocated shoulder. So automatically, okay, Madison's not the high-end priority for everybody else now that he would have been. The same thing kind of happened here with Cleo Herbert. David Montgomery goes down. It looked like it could have been a bad injury, but then they immediately came out and it was reconfirmed again Monday that David Montgomery is day-to-day and has a pretty good shot to suit up for week four. So obviously for Montgomery owners and Daniel Cook owners, this is very, very good news. Khalil Herbert is only 25% owned right now on average. Alexander Madison is only 37% owned on average. There's a reason why these two running backs, along with other handcuffs, have been on my waiver report every single week. And this happens every single year. If you own Dalvin Cook, you have to own Alexander Madison. If you own David Montgomery, you have to own Khalil Herbert. These one-for-one handcuffs who have shown that they can have the ability to get the job done at a high level when given the opportunity are rare. They are fantasy gold. Even if you don't own a Cook or a Montgomery, if you have an extra spot on your bench, these are guys that you should be filling that with because they're gold tickets. They, they get you to Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. That's what they do. Make sure they're owned. If you don't have a Cook or a Montgomery, I may not be going all out to get them now. I'm not spending you know 50% or plus of my fad budget to go get these guys. A quarter, 20%, I had to think about it there, especially if I have the room where I know I can stash them, even if the other guys are playing and I can't necessarily play them because that's how valuable they can potentially be. These could potentially be league winners if things fall certain ways. But if you do have Cook, you do have Montgomery, this needs to be your top pickup of the week. Make sure you have your insurance policy. James Cook was a big drop from last week. Finally, Now he shifts in. He's under that 50% mark at 44% right now. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Devin Singletary got very involved in the passing, and we saw that. But the one thing that changed and why James Cook should be on your radars now and maybe getting picked back up and get back over that 50% mark, Zach Moss was finally left out of the game plan. Now, will that continue? I don't know. Buffalo in the past, although it wasn't Ken Dorsey necessarily at the time, has shown a history of going one direction that makes sense and is highly productive, like playing Devin Singletary more and shifting right back to it being a Zach Moss week the following week. So it's not a given that this is the usage we can come to expect on a week-in, week-out basis. It is the usage that would logically make sense with James Cook gaining steam in his own right, who did get involved at a pretty decent rate in the passing game this past week. James Cook is the most dynamic playmaker they have in that backfield. He'll never have the workhorse load unless everybody gets hurt. 
but it's worth having on that offense to take a flyer on, especially if you have a spot. Now, this is where it's key with James Cook. You can't pick him up if you need somebody to play this week. If you're 0-3, you're 1-2, you're probably not making a move like this. But this is for you guys out there who are 3-0, who are 2-1, and and you have a little extra luxury spot on your bench that you can stash somebody with some upside. This is one of those guys. J.D. McKissick, now this is different, especially you're in half-point, full-point PPR leagues. Carson Wentz is checking the ball down. Didn't used to be his past history. He is doing it this week, or has been doing it this year, I should say. And after the week one weirdness of Antonio Gibson getting the workload that he did, since then, McKissick has reassumed his role as the pass-catching back, who if he's in certain game scripts, negative game scripts, he'll be even more involved than he normally will. But regardless, especially in full-point PPR leagues, he has quite a bit of a floor because you're talking about a guy who's probably going to average between four or five catches and have weeks like this past week where he gets even more involved than that. So J.D. McKissick right now needs to be owned because he could be plugged and played as a flex play, especially in full-point PPR leagues, and he's only 43% owned right now. And that kind of led me into my next guy, Brian Robinson. So this is another luxury guy. But I will say at this point, I feel like most leagues have IR spots, and usually they have more than one. I would pick up Brian Robinson and stash him. He came back to practice this past week. It sounded like there's a real shot week five. So after this week, he's eligible to come back off the pup list. Gibson, who smacked back down the reality over the last couple of weeks and why I told you guys to sell him high after week one, could still be in trouble with Brian Robinson coming back and potentially losing out at least goal line work, if not more. Remember, they were big on Brian Robinson. There was a lot of speculation about did he become the starting running back at one point during preseason? We have to wait to be seen. It's at least, if nothing else, worth the stash in your IR spot if you can at all help it. Only 36% owned. Same thing goes for Gus Edwards. He falls in the same trap. What's obvious? It's obvious the Ravens need a healthy Dobbins. They need a healthy Gus Edwards. While Lamar Jackson is doing great things, without a doubt, for that offense as a whole to truly hit its potential, they need Dobbins back healthy. They will need Gus Edwards back healthy too. So again, this is a situation where if you have an extra IR spot and you can just stash him there, why not? Why not throw him there? You're not losing anything as a result of that in that scenario. Now, if you don't have an IR spot, if it's filled up or you're playing in a league that doesn't have one, then no, you don't waste your time in this situation. It's for those guys in those particular situations where you have the IR. Rashad White. So after the game, Tampa Bay... Todd Bowles actually mentioned needing to get Rashad White more involved moving forward. Now, we'll see if that happens. I think Tom Brady is ultimately the guy who decides what running back is in the backfield with him. And still, Rashad White really only has value as a handcuff. That, that's his value. If something happens to Leonard Fournette, which typically it does release a handful of games, and he's getting a crazy workload to boot, then Rashad White becomes ultra interesting, especially with his pass-catching talents with Tom Brady, which things will get better from that standpoint, too. And it looks like he's established himself well ahead of Keyshawn Vaughn, where he would be the one-for-one handcuff where he get the majority of the carries to go along with it. So that's why he's so valuable. He's only 13% owned. So if you're looking for a golden ticket, or if you're a Leonard Fournette owner, you should probably look into getting Rashad White this week. 
And then, of course, Jalen Warren. He's been on my list this entire time. He continues to be on my list. Najee Harris has already gotten nicked up multiple times throughout the beginning half of this season so far. And Warren, you know, it wasn't, he didn't have a ton of work or anything like that, but he only had four carries. But Warren showed you there is a little burst in his game. So if he gets put in a situation where he has to take over Najee Harris, I think there's a decent chance here. We're looking at Jalen Warren as a guy who can fill it and do pretty well and possibly even be explosive. That does it for the running backs. So now we got our wide receiver waiver saviors of the week. Michael Gallup still at that 47% mark, not quite over 50 yet. Again, this is more for when Dak comes back, but he is going to re-enter that top 30 wide receiver three conversation at some point this season. That is going to happen. So to have a guy like that sitting on the waiver wire, he shouldn't be. So find a way to pick him up if he's available. Josh Palmer. It's weird when you talk about wide receivers as a handcuff. But that's that's what he is. Because, yes, while he is the third receiver in three receiver sets, if Keen Allen and Mike Williams are both healthy, this offense is so predicated on the top two guys getting the ball, and then everyone else is really just hit or miss. I don't think that's going to change. But as long as Allen continues to miss, Palmer assumes that role and becomes very valuable. We saw him score a touchdown week two. And this past week, he was the only bright spot in what was a just dismal day for the Chargers in general. And he was still able to produce 99 yards. So Josh Palmer, especially if you're a Keenan Allen owner, you should really have him in your back pocket because if Keenan Allen can't play, well then, oh, here's Josh Palmer. I still have my ace up my sleeve. He's only 36% owned. The next guy, this is the guy that should be a priority. This is the guy you're spending fad budget on because the upside may already be here in front of our eyes. And that's Romeo Dobbs. Now, I know part of his workload, of course, is that Sammy Watkins is on IR. But guess what? He's not coming back for a while, if at all. It's Sammy Watkins. Who knows? And I know Christian Watson was hurt. But Watson didn't practice at all last week. So it's not a given he's going to be available week four. And frankly, Watson's been a disappointment. And you can tell Rodgers is frustrated with him and doesn't really trust him. Dobbs has been the guy that he's been put in those situations of all the receivers, it seems like Rodgers kind of trusts him the most amongst the young guys, or at least the guys who are not named Alan Lazard. And the good news is, in a, a game in which he was thrusted where he had to play a lot, second receiver next to Alan Lazard, he produced. He was given the opportunity, and he produced. He had a really strong game. I've been talking about it since he was drafted. I said, look, Dobbs can play inside-outside. Dobbs is a good route runner. Dobbs is the type of guy that if Rodgers is going to trust anybody this season to be where they're supposed to be, that should be Romeo Dobbs. This digging could mark him breaking out for the rest of the year. Al Lazard is a guy. He's just a guy. He's a guy who's really good in the red zone, but he's just a guy. He's not a guy who's going to rack up eight, nine, ten catches in a game. It's not his game. Dobbs could be that guy. And for an offense that is trying to find something in the passing game to get going, there's a real opportunity here for Dobbs. He's only 16% owned because a lot of people moved on from after the first couple of weeks. Pick him up. He could be a potential league winner. Not saying in the sense that he's a wide receiver one, but a guy you pick up off the waiver wire could be a very valuable, you know, 
low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three type, depending on how this thing goes with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, make sure you go get this guy. Sky Moore, 38% owned. For the, for the 38% of you out there, I applaud you. Good job. You didn't give up on him, and you shouldn't. I know he had a rough day, special teams-wise, had a couple of muff punts. I don't think that is going to keep him from getting on the field as a wide receiver. And what's clear to me is that, look, Schuster is slow. He had the one big play. Outside of that, everything's within the line of scrimmage. He's not Tyreek Hill. He doesn't make guys miss after the catch. They need somebody to explode. They need somebody to be an explosive playmaker, a guy that Mahomes can get the ball to in those situations and make something happen with it. That guy will be Sky Moore at some point this season. It's abundantly obvious. Hartman's a bum. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a bum. Schuster is serviceable enough for the time being. Sky Moore is going to be the guy in the second half of the season. Do not lose faith, and if you can at all help it, keep Sky Moore on your rosters. Richie James. So we talked about Sterling Shepard. He gets injured. Looks like it's probably a long-term injury. Kadarius Tony still dealing with the hamstring issue. And who knows? He might not even work his way out of the doghouse yet himself. Kenny Galladay is like falling to the bottom, bottom, bottom of the depth chart. Like if he wasn't getting paid what he was, like practice squad worthy at this point. And Waddell Robinson, we still don't exactly know when he's going to be able to return. So Richie James, who's already been kind of getting involved with the past couple of weeks anyway, and only 2% owned becomes the steel waiver wire pickup if you need a flex play, especially talk about full point PPR, even half point, you need a flex guy for week four, you need a wide receiver three for week four. Hello, Richie James. The volume's going to be there because they have no other choice. So Richie James, believe it or not, becomes incredibly fantasy relevant this week. Arizona Cars. So I feel like I've had these two receivers on my waiver, waiver saver report for the entire season so far. And in fact, I have through the first three weeks. So Rondell Moore at 23% owned. And again, this is a guy that, look, eventually he gets ruled out. Stash him as an IR. But if anything about the Greg Dorch usage has shown you, it should show you exactly what kind of volume is in store right now for that slot receiver. That will be Rondell Moore upon return. Kingsbury already talked about week, week four, week five, being what they have marked out for Rondell Moore to come back. Now, if he comes back this week, am I going to be uberly bullish on him? No, not necessarily. I want to see how he responds. The hamstring injury, he's been out for a few weeks. I'd like to get him at least two weeks of practice before I have confidence in him. But Rondell Moore is somebody I'm very, very interested in as a slot receiver in this offense right now as a nice little pickup. Until that point, if Rondell Moore misses again this week, Greg Dorch, kind of like Richie James, is almost a must-play flex play for full-point PPR leagues and a consideration in half point. He just gets the volume. He has one of the highest floors you could possibly have for a receiver right now in that situation. And he's only still, he's still only 7% owned. Now I got a luxury play for you guys. I got Jameson Williams at 20% owned. Again, this is a luxury play. Do you have an IR spot? Do you have a bench spot to burn? We still don't know exactly what his workload can be like as a rookie coming off an ACL injury. And, of course, St. Brown as a wide receiver one, still very much in the building. So all those things go into it, but that is a luxury play that I want to take a shot on. The other guy who makes my list is Isaiah McKenzie at 14%. Oh, now, 
don't get too excited about McKenzie. He only played one more snap and only ran about, I think it was four more routes than Jamison Crowder did. So it wasn't like he was playing head and shoulders above Crowder just yet. He was much more productive this time around. He had the 10 targets. He actually led all the receivers in that category. But don't get swept away thinking you got to go after McKenzie hard and that he's now ready to pay off all the offseason hype that we heard leading into the year. Be mindful of it, but he is a speculative wait-and-see stash. Do you finally get to usurp Jameson Crowder fully? I do think I do think that should happen, but it hasn't happened to this point yet. And then Matt Collins. Matt Collins is 1% owned. Here's what I'll say. Devontae Adams is going to get more involved again, and Matt Collins is going to go off like this. This is probably the best game he's had all will have all year. But if Hunter Renfro, for whatever reason, has to miss again, because remember, he didn't get any work in last week with a concussion issue, well, Matt Collins then becomes somebody we can contemplate in our flex positions because of how Derek Carr is just spreading out the football right now. And there'll be room for him to eat if Hunter Renfro is not there. So Matt Collins is a speculative dart throw emergency pull ad. We'll be quick with the tight ends. I only have three. Logan Thomas, again, I know he didn't have a great week this past week, but still, 46% owned has been going up. He should get over the 50% mark this week. This is still a guy who can be a top 12 tight end for you by the end of the season. If you pick him up, you don't necessarily have to stream every single week, which is a headache in and of itself. So save yourself the headache and go get Logan Thomas if you still can. David Njoku. So this is somebody I've been out on all offseason long. Was off out on him the first three weeks. And up until this past week, was right. I don't know, and I'm not confident in saying that Harrison Bryant is not going to be involved because that's been the big issue for David Njoku. He has been. What I will say, however, is that it was promising. And what we saw after week one, when Donovan Peoples-Jones got 11 targets for no reason, Amari Cooper was left out. Since then, Jacoby Brissett course-corrected. I will say there's a chance that maybe when it comes to the tight ends, Stefanski and Brissett course-corrected to make sure Njoku's getting the ball and not Harrison Bryant. But we're going to have to see it one more week before we do. In the meantime, if you need a streaming tight end or you want to pick up a guy who might have some upside, that would be David Njoku at 32% owned. And then Tyler Conklin. So this one's more of a speculative ad, more of a, like, we can't ignore the fact that he's been very, very good, especially from tight end considerations over the past three weeks. And that can't be ignored for a guy who's only 11% owned. However, I talked about it yesterday's show in the Sunday recap. And I said, look, I didn't have many notes for the Jets because I didn't feel like I could take anything out of what's happened over the past three weeks and be able to apply it to week four because, well, Zach Wilson's expected to come back. If Joe Flacco starts again week four, then we're talking about Tyler Conklin. He's the top 10 tight end. He's getting, he's getting all the work. He's getting double-digit targets. But if you're going to go to Zach Wilson, there's a real chance we see this entire offense and how it's working change. There's a real chance that happens. So just kind of keep that in mind when it comes to Tyler Conklin. This is a more like wait till we get later in the week and you don't have a better option type of tight end pickup. That does it for the waiver savers. That does it for the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We're back tomorrow. We're getting into week four, baby. We're back tomorrow on the Wednesday prime or the Wednesday look ahead 
first half week four preview at 10 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel on bellyup.tv. Make sure you're downloading us on your favorite podcast app and on the Foxy Network TV app. Please follow us on social media at MDFF Show. We'll keep you up to date with everything going around the league. I'm your host, Dan Maynard, and I will see you guys tomorrow night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.